Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our episode nine recap. Hey, Julie. Hi, Em. The last five minutes of this episode, Julie, were riveting. Some of the best television I've ever seen in my life. That three-way call with Kim, Courtney, and Kylie, where you can hear in Kylie's voice that she just woke up, it was so wild to witness that. Well, what about the producers and the camera crew standing outside making that decision at 6.30 in the morning to go into Kim's gym and them saying, we don't know what's happening, just roll whatever footage you're getting. Did you see that we got a DM? Someone responded to our story and was like, obviously keep this anonymous, but I can confirm I was there on the film crew and this is actually exactly how it went down. Like we were there filming something completely different. I saw that when I woke up and I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Not that I couldn't believe that that was the case. Like I felt how raw that was in the moment. Just the continual confirmation of how real that was just never ceases to amaze me. I mean, I know we've said this a million times, but seriously, just in the nine episodes, we have gotten more fourth wall breaks than we ever got in all 20 seasons. You get fourth wall breaks about the fourth wall breaks. Like, they acknowledge it. (laughs) Remember the episode where Chloe says to Kanye, and they're like, no, you can talk to the camera like it's a documentary show. Just that alone. The scene in this episode with Courtney and Steph, which we will obviously get into when Courtney is talking to her about the editing process of the Travis engagement episode, that was so mind-blowing to me. I mean, I just have a million thoughts. Thank God we have this outline to kind of keep us straight. I know, because otherwise I could, I have no idea where this episode would go. I know. I can't get over those last five minutes. Okay. So the way that we're going to do this is we split it up by storyline. So it's Kim, everything with Pete, Sports Illustrated, and Skims. Then Courtney, her conversation with Steph, and a little bit of Benny drama. And then we'll end with Chloe discussing, obviously, the last few minutes, but also kind of just generally speaking where this all lands timeline-wise. Yes? Yes. God. 
This is crazy. Like every single week we come on here and we're like, it couldn't get better. And I have to tell you, I think the last five minutes of this episode topped the Kim and Pete of last week, which is crazy to say. And people felt that way. Our DMs were again flooded last night, which always happens. But so many people saying like, screw last week's episode. Like this is where it's at. Okay, starting out with Kim, which first thing I want to say, last week we were speculating that the surprise that Pete got her on the plane were edibles, but turns out they were actually dibs, which is far less exciting, but I guess equally as cute. Like clearly more exciting for her. Something that I noticed that I would say is far and away the biggest difference between me and Kim besides everything else is like (laughs) with the dibs, like she considered them a product that was almost inaccessible to her because they only have them at like gas stations. Meanwhile, if you don't sell a product at a gas station, I consider that inaccessible to me. (laughs) What a hilarious realization and so accurate. (laughs) Like we consistently play a game where it's like, okay, you're walking into a 7-Eleven. Like what are three things that you would get? Because that is a everyday reality. I would say that that's a game we play every time we're high. Yes, because it's the best game to play. But you know what's fun is now we know that Kim's answer for at least one of her three things would be dibs. Right. Although I fear she's going too hard too fast and then she's going to lose it for them. You know what's funny about that also is that we, with the dibs, unintentionally got the acknowledgement of the Staten Island movie date because she says that's where she had them. Well, that's really important timeline-wise because that movie date was mid-December and a few scenes later when she's in her confessional talking about how Pete suggested going to Thrifty and she like got so horny from it, those photos of them in Thrifty when she's in the black leather pants, they're hugging, she's in the sweatshirt, he's in the white sweatshirt. I looked it up, that was January 12th. So it's about a month from movie date to that and you can see even in that just the progression of her feelings. Well, the timeline of this whole episode is really interesting, and I can't wait to get into that more when we talk about the Chloe and Tristan thing, because that happens well before the rest of the episode happens. I mean, think about even when Chloe and Kendall are in the car driving, and they're talking about how Kylie's going to have the baby any day now. Kylie gave birth to the baby February 2nd. So the timeline is really jumping all over the place, but the baby, Tristan's baby, was born December 1st. I know, but I honestly feel like those jumps were necessary for this episode because there was a lot of ground to cover. Like it wasn't a situation where I found almost the jumping around of timeline to be an inconsistency. I actually thought it was essential for painting the full picture. No, I did too. And I also love the idea of the season finale being this Chloe plot line. I wonder if there was a decision where they said like, okay, we have these two major plot points that we can bring up. Like we can have Chloe be episode seven and eight and Kim and Pete and her really explaining it being the finale, or we can do it the reverse. And I think doing it the reverse was the clear, clear winner. Yeah. I mean, listen, hypothetically speaking, if they had done it the other way, I think we'd still be sitting here saying this was the right move because no matter how they were going to do it, they were going to present it in a way that was like so satisfying for us. But I do think that this was probably smarter because the Kim and Pete stuff the whole time, you're just like, holy shit. But it wasn't like you were waiting for a crazy turn necessarily. Whereas this one, your jaw was on the floor in a very different way than it was when she was describing the Aladdin thing, for example. Oh, totally. It's information versus shock value. And what's so funny is that as much as we praise this show, the new Kardashians for being different and strengths in so many ways from the old one while still staying true to it, every single person that DM'd us knew exactly what they were going to do, which was end that episode, have it only be the last five minutes and leave us with one hell of a cliffhanger. 
Right. But it's kind of like what we were saying last week when they're talking about Poosh and Chris's masterclass and the health nut. And then all of those announcements come out right as the episode is being released. And we're like, listen, if we talk so much about Chris Jenner being a marketing genius, sometimes you're going to be on the receiving end of that. And that's kind of how I feel here. Like, yes, I am dying from this cliffhanger, but also they got a multi-million dollar deal from Hulu. They better do a fucking cliffhanger. I'm not mad at it. I'm mad at it on some level because I just want that information, but I cannot be mad at it logistically. I know. Oh, fuck. It's going to take everything in me to not want to just immediately jump to those last five minutes. But I think the way we organize it is right because we should save it for the end. Let's get into more of the Kim and Pete and the Sports Illustrated stuff. Yes, I'd love to. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, to jump back for a second, when Kim's in her confessional and she says, so Pete and I have been dating for a few months. We're doing really, really good. Pete said, I'm going to grow on you. Just wait. He knew. He's like, I'll give it four months in and you're going to be obsessed. And I was like, okay, we'll see. And again, producer, fucking woman of the people says, are you in love? And she goes, I don't know if that's any of your business. (laughs) By the way, I'm like, it quite literally is our only business. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? I am, that is my business. Nothing this has ever is been my more business. my business. Like, no, this is our business, by the way. This is our business. That's what I was going to say. Like, this literally is our business. We quite literally have a podcast one day a week where we discuss this. So we actually need you to tell us. 
Like legally you're required. Right. Like this, yeah. I mean, I'm getting hot even just thinking about it. Yeah. You can see, just watch the way that she's talking here, Julie. It's going from the initial excitement and almost thrill of this new thing that, as we found out last week, was kind of sexually dominated into really feeling like she's by way of this relationship, becoming even more comfortable with herself. I think that's the thing that I keep picking up on the most. The thing here is like, you can see the balance of the relationship at work because on one hand, you have him doing these tiny little gestures for her, which make her feel so seen. And like, again, that's exactly what she wanted when she was at her breaking point with Kanye, and we saw that on the last episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, the thing she said was, I have all of the big things and none of the little things. And now she has those little things that she wanted, that she asked for. And so on one hand, you can see the way that he just pays attention to her and knows exactly what she wants and wants to give those things to her. But he also has the confidence that it's not a one-sided relationship. It's not like him just waiting on her hand and foot and like doing whatever she wants. It's like he said to her, I'm going to grow on you. Like that was that level of confidence that sealed the deal in their relationship. Totally. And that's why that piece of information is so important because in the beginning of this, when we were trying to wrap our heads around the entire thing, we couldn't really compute it in our minds. Like we felt Pete was probably like, holy shit, Kim Kardashian. And not to say that he's not, but I do find that that one line was very telling. And also the other thing that was such a takeaway for me is as you were referencing in that last episode of Keeping Up when she says, I have all the big things, I just want the little things. What I think is so remarkable is that, not to say with Pete she doesn't also have the big things, but she's creating the big things for herself. Like here is Kim on the cover of Sports Illustrated in her Skims swimsuit line, doing a solo Balenciaga campaign. So she herself is creating the big things. She no longer is relying on Kanye for that. And then supplemented with that are these really emotional, endearing gestures from Pete. And like, what a cool 180 is that? I'm so happy you said that specifically about her being able to provide herself with the big things because that's it. Like that's what I was thinking about this entire episode because when you think about what Kanye was able to provide her with, there was a period of time where yes, Kim was on top of the world, but she wasn't necessarily able to like give herself all of the things that Kanye was. And she grew during the time of that relationship to the point where she clearly was. And so these grand gestures that Kanye had for her hit a point where it was like, okay, it's that's all it is. It's just a grand gesture. Like, of course, every single girl in the world wants a Birkin, but like at a certain point when you could buy it for yourself, it takes away how special it is that somebody else is doing it for you. Like, yeah, any girl would want Kenny G. I can't say any girl would want Kenny G, but like the romantic gesture of Kenny G being in your living room on Valentine's Day playing for you. Yeah, like I can understand the big gesture behind that. But at a certain point, it's like, do you know me? Like, do you know the intimate little details of like what I would want? Or do you only know how to do generic grand gestures? Right. And at the end of the day, when all of that's over and you're just laying in bed with the person, I think that's kind of what she was craving, just the simplicity of that. And let's not forget, also in the last season, when she's talking with her sisters in that room and she's saying like, he just wants to up and leave to Wyoming or Chicago and he needs to be with someone that can do that. Which I think part of the thing was, 
it was honestly a real lack of quality time towards the end of their relationship. You know, Kanye was off doing his thing, which was great. It's not that she was necessarily opposed to that, but I think she was realizing she wanted just someone that she was going to be in bed with every night at the end of their crazy days. And it didn't feel like he was able to provide her with that. And also, this is so fucking interesting. When she's in her confessional and she says, quote, I never want the person that I'm dating to be subjected to public scrutiny just because we're dating. He knows what he's getting himself into, obviously, but I'm just trying to minimize any tabloid drama. I mean, we know what happened with Kanye and the media storm that ensued on Instagram to the point where Kim had to actually get involved and release a statement on her story, which, as we said at the time, was unheard of for her. So I can only imagine her saying this and then a little bit down the line seeing that Kanye and Peter are actually going to be in this like Instagram brawl, basically. It's the antithesis of what she desired. Well, that's the thing with the timeline here is that the social media antics had already started. While she's talking about this and talking about the media frenzy and wanting to keep Pete sheltered from the tabloid drama, Kanye had already taken to Instagram in the way that he had. Pete responding to Kanye and saying, I'm in bed with your wife had not happened yet because that happened in March. But Kanye going on this Instagram rant and posting all of these things about Pete had already started and begun. And so Kim is kind of talking about this both in retrospect and without the knowledge of what is going to happen. Well, February 4th was the day that we were recording our episode when in the middle of recording it, Kim posted that story. So just to go back to the Rite Aid for a second, that's January 12th. That's when they go to Thrifty and it's the (laughs) highlight of her life. Like she's eating ice cream at Rite Aid and she feels like she's on top of the world. And less than a month later, she's going to have to respond to Kanye for maybe her first time ever publicly on Instagram to basically say, please stop this. So what I keep thinking about is, again, we will never get the full extent of this from the show because I don't think that Kim will ever want to show Kanye in that light, like in front of her children. But if we just look at her emotions here, to me, I keep thinking of like, those are serious highs and lows happening at the same time. Because finally, when she's feeling content and happy with so much simplicity, she's immediately kind of brought back to reality and has to deal with what Kanye is putting out publicly. Like, that's why when this was all happening, we were saying on some level, it must be bonding for Kim and Pete, even if it's almost like a trauma bond, because they're the only two people that can kind of understand what this is like. They're on the receiving end of it. And watching these scenes, it really makes me feel more firm in that belief that they must have gotten even closer, which is obviously the exact opposite of what Kanye wanted in the midst of all of this. Right. It completely backfired on him. His whole plan pushed them closer together, which is so interesting to think about. Not that I want to get too much into this because there's no use in really hypothesizing, but something I am curious about is if in next season we're going to get the behind the scenes of Pete texting Kanye, like, I'm in bed with your wife, and then those photos being posted to Instagram. Because I remember at the time saying there is absolutely no way that Pete would have ever sent that to Kanye without Kim's approval. And then second of all, that he ever would have posted those screenshots without Kim's approval. Like To me, there's just no way that he would disrespect her in that way. I feel like especially given the lack of control she had over some of the like stuff Kanye would post. I think that would be really, really triggering for her if someone that she was supposed to feel safe with would almost betray her trust and do that. But I'm having a really hard time watching her here, imagining that she would be down for that. But still, like 100%, if you ask me right now, my belief is that there is no way Pete ever texted Kanye that or ever posted them to Instagram without her approval. It's just really wild for me to imagine that that's something she would have been down for. However, I think it probably happened where she had a moment of like, fuck it. I think so too. 
I think it's less about the moment of fuck it. Like maybe the moment of fuck it was just like allowing him to do it and giving him that permission. But I think the reason that she was okay with it on some level is because I think she saw it as him protecting himself and not him protecting her, which was two very different things in her mind. Because like, if it's coming at her, she's the type of person that's like, whatever's coming at me, I can handle it. I'll deal with it. But when it's coming at Pete, she's also the type of person to be like, well, I would never stand in the way of him protecting himself or standing up for himself. Like I would never want him to feel like he can't do that because of me. I so agree with that. And honestly, it's really on brand for Kim when you think about it, because something we always talk about is how much she values the concept of loyalty. Like that is so, so important to her. And so there's no world in which she is going to get on Instagram and publicly defend Pete and in the process slam Kanye. There's just no way like that is the father of her children. And she's really firm in that. However, it's a really important distinction because probably her version or her definition of loyalty in this particular circumstance is like, listen, I'm not going to stand in the way of you being able to defend defend yourself because that's not right. Like I could so see Kim's mind working in that way here. No, me too. Totally. I also want to talk Sports Illustrated for a second because having already seen the photos and then watching this behind the scenes was so interesting because never in my wildest dreams, if you asked me 20 things that were happening that day, I never would have said that Kim was sick. I mean, that is not a sick woman that was on that cover. No, I mean, one of my favorite photos of Kim ever, I think, came from that shoot. So I was definitely shocked to find it. But something about Kim is that (laughs) she'll never miss an opportunity to like fully explain her work ethic. I was about to say that and I could not help but think about when Kylie missed the Balmain show. And remember, Chris was offering Kim like $400,000 to go. (laughs) Do you remember? Of course I remember. And they couldn't believe that Kylie was sick. And Corey was the one that had to switch Chris back into mom mode and be like, if she's sick, she's sick. But you are so right. Kim will never miss an opportunity. And it's not that she was going to say, and Courtney and Kylie wouldn't have done that, but you know, she was thinking it. (laughs) Of course she was. I think the other thing I was really picking up on from watching these scenes is that here she is walking onto this Sports Illustrated set, and clearly it's a big deal for the team. Like They are so excited to have her there. She's debuting Skim Swim. It's a big deal, clearly. Yet, she somehow exhibits more of a sense of awe than they do. Like I just have to imagine that they all go to their break and they're sitting around being like, wow, she is so gracious. Like I just think at this point in her career to still be able to make people feel that way and no matter how jaded she may be to certain things, to still communicate that sense of gratitude and almost excitement about the project is really important and probably one of the reasons she's been so successful. Oh, absolutely. And you can see the editor-in-chief of Sports Illustrated is just in awe of Kim. The whole time, that's the thing that I was picking up on, was she was sitting there watching Kim and watching Kim work and this work ethic and knowing that she was sick and seeing how professional and into it and excited she was to be there. And she almost couldn't believe it. I mean, listen, we've said this before. You said it about Kim when you first saw her at the Wall Street Journal event. I felt that way when I first saw her at the wedding. Like, There's something different about being in her presence that's really hard to explain, but I felt like when I was watching all of them watch her, they were picking up on that as well. Something really weird that happens when I watch this show, specifically these scenes, is that I feel like a secondary sense of validation. I almost take on what I imagine like the photographers and the editors and the people around the set are feeling. And what I mean by that is, 
I just always assume that these people have not been watching Kardashians since season one. And maybe more recently, they've become familiar with Kim and everything that she's doing. And to me, it's like, I'm watching them watch her. And I'm like, yeah, see, we've been on this ride since the beginning. And it's so fun to see you guys in awe in the way that we are. It's a weird thing. Like what a bizarre <laughs> like feeling to feel for someone that I don't even know. But I really do get such a sense of validation from watching people in the professional sense really acknowledge her professionalism because it's it goes back to what we were saying a few episodes ago. Like she's still on some level, no matter how successful, how famous, all the things that she is, she's still fighting that reality TV star that became famous from a sex tape, quote, quote. And I guess there's something about seeing people that are so legitimized in their own field, aka the Sports Illustrated team, having that realization of who she is and, and the businesswoman that she is that weirdly feels good as a fan. I don't know. I know it's kind of weird, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> no, it is kind of weird. Like even I felt like when we were watching the Sports Illustrated team with her or many other times where we've watched different people be with Kim, it's like there's all of a sudden this realization of like, wow, you're like one of the most famous people that has ever existed. That is an insane realization to have about a person. I know. And that's why I always say that when I think about the family, yes, it's quote the Kardashians, but Kim and Chris are in like a different category for me in kind of a unique way. Yeah, I, I agree. I And I get that same feeling with Chris in terms of like, I can't believe you're real. I can't believe you did all of this. Because when you watch that first, that very, very first episode of Kardashians and you compare it to what you're watching now, it's like, this was not supposed to happen. No one could have written this. No one could have predicted this. No one could emulate this again in their lives. And having that understanding and that realization while watching them in the moment, it's just crazy. I don't know any other way to describe it. I sometimes wonder what it would be like to watch this if you hadn't been watching from the beginning in terms of would it maybe just be more entertainment at face value and not also like simultaneously thinking about the evolution. Because for me... There's always some point in every episode when the evolution of their success is not lost on me and it comes at different times. And sometimes it's just happening in the back of my mind and it's not even one moment. But yeah, I do think that like the level of context you have naturally influences the way in which you watch the show, which isn't a bad or a good thing. I think it's just a fact. Well, I'll tell you, I started, I rewatched all of them with Natalie, my roommate, and she she doesn't watch consistently. She had never really watched the show. She had picked up a couple of episodes here and there, and we watched every single episode of The Kardashians together so that she could watch it, and she was in awe. Like, to be able to watch it through her eyes was so crazy because we then went back and watched from season one, and, like, she really couldn't believe it. Like, she was really having a moment, and that's somebody who, like, was not... I wouldn't say they weren't a fan, but they were not overly invested by any means, and now is, like, overly invested. It's kind of like when people say that they have kids and all of a sudden they're getting to relive their childhood in a way, or like they're getting to see the world through their kids' eyes, which I, I mean, even when we were with my little cousins, we were saying that. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about like Kardashian virgins. It's like, God, this must be really fun. Yeah. Like I'd love to see the world through your eyes for just one day. I would love to like have my memory erased and like relive that moment. Like, like, uh, <laughs> you know what I was just even, thinking of? The cookie jars? No, I was thinking the list I keep on my phone of things I want to relive when I get too old to remember them. And I'm like, <laughs> obviously, I'm going to watch Kardashians from the beginning. Oh, that's going to be fun when we're like 80. 
And that's what I've been saying. Can you imagine me and you in an assisted living facility, like the most glamorous one in the entire world? Like think the passages Malibu of assisted living. And somebody's like, hey, we found this old show, like Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Like, do you guys want to watch it for your like nighttime activity? And we get to relive it all over again. Wow. Talk about really having something to look forward to in uh, in aging, you know? Well, you were saying the other day, like Kim makes you feel really good about aging. I feel really good about getting to the point where like, I'm so, so old. I get to rediscover Kim. Wait, I want to make this important clarification to see if anyone else is feeling this. When I said that she makes me feel good about aging, it wasn't like a comment of she looks so good at 40. Like, yeah, obviously that's there on some level, but it wasn't that. It was honestly her and Courtney of just having such this like enthusiasm and confidence about where they're at in their lives. And I, I find it empowering because so much of the discourse is actually the reverse of like, you got to savor these years of your twenties because it's all downhill after that. Like that is something that women are told constantly. And then to have Kim and Courtney be like, actually, these are the best years of my life separate and apart from how they look. Like I really was trying to remove that when I was thinking about it. And that felt exciting to me. The thing is, I can't wait for that to happen to Chloe. Well, she can't wait. Remember she said in the last episode? Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. This scene when Courtney is sitting down with Steph and she's talking about watching the engagement episode and then in her confessional talking about it from the executive producer perspective. I know we said earlier, like this was a fourth wall break, but this was really, really the ins and outs of kind of the production process we're so interested in. The thing with Courtney is that we have definitely heard her say a time or two how upset she is by the edits that she gets. And the thing that I was happy about in this instance is that she pointed to a very specific thing. Like in the past, she's been like, I don't like my edits. And we're like, 
aren't you an executive producer? And she's like, yeah, but I still don't like them. And we're like, okay, so like, what do you want people to do differently? In this case, she was like, I really didn't like the way that the engagement seemed focused on Scott. That wasn't the point of it. I would have preferred if they put it in the episode after. And for her to point to that specific thing, I was like, yes, you made your point. You brought your receipts. You said how it should have been done. And that is a conversation about edits that I can respect. I have to tell you, honestly, in all of the episodes we've done so far, this is the most validated I've personally felt about saying a take and then having it basically confirmed because that is, I feel like exactly what I said when we were talking about why we haven't seen so much of Travis and Courtney discussing Scott. And I said, I feel like Courtney's perspective on this is that she wants it to be her fairy tale with Travis. I think I literally use those words and like want it to be about their love and their fertility. And I think that not to say her and Travis don't have the Scott conversations, but it's going to be minimal that that's discussed on camera. And I feel like it's intentional. And that's really what she said. No, you're 100% right. You should feel validated in that because she quite literally used the exact same words that you did. What did you think about the logistics of her saying this, though? In terms of what? Like, did you like? Did you agree with her? Like, do you think that the show gave her an unfair edit? Or do you think that, like, of course that that was going to be the case? Like, of course Kendall's going to bring up Scott at the engagement and they're going to show that in the episode. It would be ridiculous for them not to. Okay, so my thought on it is kind of split because I still stand firm in what we were saying when the actual episode aired of, I think it was kind of off of Kendall to bring up at her engagement. Like, yeah, of course we were all thinking that, but she could have waited till the next day. She didn't need to take Courtney into a side room and ask if she has sympathy towards Scott like moments after she got engaged. So I still think that was off. That being said, if Kendall was going to say it, yeah, of course they were going to show it. Like, I just think the reason that this show works is for those moments. Like, I understand what she was saying and I very much could feel her frustration and I think it's really valid. At the same time, I think from the perspective of the viewer, it was separated enough where we really did feel her happiness and didn't feel like Scott was taking over necessarily, but it's a legitimate plot point that has to be discussed. That's exactly how I felt as well. And I actually thought it was interesting because if the edit made anybody look, quote, bad or, like, was an unfair edit to anybody. It was clearly to Kendall. She got ripped apart for that. It wasn't to Courtney. Like, I can understand what Courtney is saying, but also at the same time, like, no part of that episode felt focused on Scott. That felt like her engagement and this thing happened to have happened that we were happy was caught on camera. Well, and on top of this, what I kept thinking when I was watching her say this to Steph is that she's probably really pleased with the audience response to that episode because even people like us who adore Scott and are interested in what he's going through and feel like he has the right to kind of talk about that, we even felt like, let her have this moment and we'll talk about Scott in a second. So I have to imagine that she felt, I don't know if validated is the right word, but I'm sure she felt kind of good in seeing that the audience two wanted to let her have her fairy tale moment and then almost discuss Scott separately. Because like you said, people were pissed at Kendall. And I'm sure that there's a part of Courtney that almost like felt heard in the sense that people were upset with Kendall. Right. I think so too. It's interesting because when I saw that this was a conversation that occurred, I don't know if it was in the preview or like weirdly enough, which we haven't even spoken about yet. Somebody said that the episode was released early on Hulu and then taken down. So I think there were a couple of clips that was circulating on TikTok. And so when I saw that there was going to be a conversation between Courtney and Steph about Courtney not liking her edits and specifically her and Travis not liking them, 
I thought that the conversation point that she was going to bring up was that they make Scott look maybe more favorable than he actually was acting in real life. Like, I thought they were going to make the point of like, well, you know, they make Scott seem like this guy who only cares about spending time with the family. But in reality, like he hasn't been overly supportive of our engagement or like, you know, Scott on the night of the engagement, like he acts like such a good guy saying that like he would have brought the kids, but like, that's not actually how it went down. Like, that's the kind of edit stuff that I was expecting. So when she said the thing about like, it's just not focused enough on me and Travis and our fairy tale story. I was like, you're losing me a little bit here in this argument. Oh, so interesting. As you were talking, I thought you were going to say that if it had been the former, meaning if it had been her saying that Scott's getting a favorable edit, then we would have been like, you're losing us here. I actually think this point was more valid. Again, I, I think it was misplaced frustration necessarily because it re- that conversation really did happen at the engagement. What were they going to do? Not show it? Like they were having a whole side conversation about the kids not being there that then just spiraled into a Scott thing because Kendall brought it up. I My thought here is that like, Clearly, she ended up at the end of the day realizing, you know what, this episode needs to say how it is. She's an executive producer. If she said, absolutely not, I will not have these two things air in the same episode, she technically could have stopped it. Like she has that right. So clearly at the end of the day, she must have came to the realization of like, you know what, people are going to take this hopefully in the way that it's intended. And this is a necessary point that's going to have to be factored in here. I think if she would have gone down the road of almost attacking Scott and saying that his motives were false or inauthentic... I actually think your response would have been like, no, you're losing me here. Because think about it. What she's saying here, even if we end up agreeing that ultimately it needed to all be in one episode because it made the most sense, you can understand why she's annoyed. She's like, it's been seven years. Let me have my moment with this guy. Why does Scott always have to be brought into it? To me, even though I agree with the ultimate decision, I get her frustration more here. I think it would have been kind of shitty of her to come at Scott in that way. I agree. Like, I'm not saying that I would have preferred that, but I'm saying that, like, had she, had that been what she felt and she came with all of these, let's say, receipts about what Scott actually did, or like she was talking about her real frustration with the way it, like, seems versus the reality of it, like, that I could have understood. It's not the editor's fault that that conversation was brought up during her engagement. Like, you cannot blame the editors for piecing together that moment, which was TV gold, during a time where Courtney just wanted it to be about her, because at the end of the day, it's a TV show. It's not just the Courtney show. And Courtney lost me a little bit during this conversation. Again, I was happy that she came with an actual thing that she was upset about because so many times in the past when she's spoken about not getting a fair edit, she hasn't really brought anything to the table to like explain, okay, well, what does that then look like? Like, what does it look like like for you to get a fair edit? What would you have rather been? And so I was happy for her to bring an example. But at the same time, I was like, this is Kendall's fault for bringing it up. It's not the show's fault for including it. Okay, right. But even the side conversations that happened, not at the actual engagement, like when Chloe went to Scott's house, I think the reason that what I'm saying is at the end of the day, the reason that it all probably ended up going in one episode is because when Courtney removes herself from like her as Travis's fiance at the time and actually looks at it as an executive producer, she understands it's an important perspective. Even the people that dislike Scott the most want to hear what he is saying to Chloe in his most vulnerable moment. I'm sorry. I just think that that's the case. We've been following this story arc for how many years? So yeah. Oh my God. That was why I can't stop thinking about that scene. That was like meta. That was like a fourth wall break within a fourth wall break within a fourth wall break. Yeah, I mean, she was basically saying, like, if you're watching this right now, I don't like the edit that you gave me. But the thing that I feel about Courtney in this scene was, like, I'm invested in you and Travis. Like, 
don't worry, I'm here. Like we're all here, we're all watching. Don't force me into it. Don't force me to take a different level of interest where I'm now all of a sudden removing something else that I'm interested in. Like I can take your engagement for what it is. And I think that that episode was done beautifully and really well and focused so much on their story and their fairy tale and and all of that. But if you're making the argument to me where it's like, you know, I wish people would just focus on me being in this fairy tale relationship after coming out of a toxic relationship. Well, if you want the arc to be that, then at a certain point, the toxic relationship is going to have to have been brought up. Right. But I think that she would probably be actually really pleased with the response because the response was overwhelmingly, wow, look how beautiful that was. Look at that conversation between her and Chris when Chris is crying, holding her. I mean, that was the biggest takeaway. The Scott stuff really was secondary. Even to us who are like so invested in the Scott of it all, this was not his moment. I think the time that the Scott thing was brought up more and had a more legitimate place in all of this was in the conversation with Chris, for example, at the table when he's saying, this is my family. You know, you promised me when my parents died, like all of that, that was really the Scott focus. I think even those who love Scott the most wanted to focus on Courtney and Travis because it really did feel like their moment. So I understood her frustration, but I also now knowing what the response was to to that episode actually felt like relieved for her because what she wanted really did come across. No, I did too. I think you and I are on the same page about this. (laughs) It's okay. I think we're just like doing that thing where like we're actually saying the same thing, but you know what? Here's my hottest take of, of the day. And it's not even that hot of a take. I think Courtney's upset that Scott's involved in the show at all. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. I don't know if I agree with that. Because Scott's entire plot is also about her. We're not following Scott on his journey of like talentless or like the funny things that he does with Chloe, which is like actually what I would prefer to see him in. The angle that we keep getting of Scott is just this continual... I'm not involved in the family. The family can't get over the fact that they think that this is about Courtney when it's really not about Courtney. Um, People bringing up Scott to Courtney. Like, I think that, I don't think she's upset Scott himself is involved in the show. I think that she's upset that Scott is involved in the show strictly from the context of like Scott being the victim or Scott being placed in relationship to her new relationship. I think that if they said to Courtney, you know what, we're not going to include Scott in this. She would have been more than happy with that. I really do think that. Well, that I can understand the fact that his involvement is in such close proximity to her and her new relationship and almost, you know, so many of the conversations end up having a more sympathetic tone because I think the public, not entirely, but many, you know, feel a sense of sadness for what he's going through. So that I can get on board with. But I think if they presented the option of like, okay, Scott's going to be involved, but it's going to be about his talentless journey. And it's really not going to be about you. You know, it's going to take on his role more. I think she'd be thrilled with that because at the end of the day, like he is then involved in this large paycheck that he's getting from the show. And I know that money is the last thing they have to worry about, but it's still, it's the father of her children. She wants him to have a stable and fruitful form of income. And the show provides that for him. No, I, that I agree with. I, I think that if he was in the show in a completely different capacity in the way that he used to be in the show where it really was just following his life, that would be a different story. I think that when she, I think that in the conversation of like getting an unfair edit or not being happy with the edit included in that is the Scott narrative. Yes. Okay. That I'm on board with. That I'm on Glad board with. Glad we got with. here. Yeah. 
talk about something I'd love to hear her take on, like explicitly. I don't think she'd ever say it in those words necessarily, but I th- I think there's a world in which she kind of admits, yeah, I don't love the fact that so much of his storyline is directly about me and Travis. Like I want more separation. It's over. It's been seven years. I think she would say that. She kind of did. Yeah, I mean, and I think that we would want that too. Like I would love to see Scott in a different capacity now because he, that's the thing about Scott is like, he is the most fun person on the show, hands down. He has brought entertainment every single scene he's in for years and years and years. And maybe at this point in the show, there's also that understanding of like mentally, he wasn't in that place to provide us with that level of entertainment. So like, I can understand that also, but I would love going forward for Scott to be included in the show in his own narrative. Like for example, when Kim is mentioning, and it was so brief, obviously, because it was only in the context of the dibs, but when Kim's mentioning the Staten Island of it all and the going to the movies, Throw in the fact that Scott was there. Throw in how Scott feels. Cut to Scott in a confessional saying what it was like when he was at the movies with Kim. I know. I'm wondering why we're not getting enough of that because that scene at Chris's house when they were there for the birthday dinner, when he has that like very brief conversation with Kim about Pete and he's like, I FaceTimed you. And she's like, yeah, it was probably busy. Think about how long we talked about that. Like we all want Scott's POV because later we're seeing Scott and Pete at, like Rain's game or whatever it is. So yeah, that is actually a really good way to involve Scott more separate and apart from Courtney in a way that would still give us like the number one content we're the most interested in, which is probably Kim and Pete. Right. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's a great editor's note if you're listening. <laughs> I want to talk about Benny's drama. This was like amazing. I, I was beaming for him beaming. I could not be happier for somebody. This was like, when I saw the preview last week that he was going to be on, I feel like I jumped in the air because I was so excited. I know. It was like such this vicarious sense of pride because we've had him on the podcast once and then we met him at Simon's wedding. And exactly as kind and fun and vibrant as he seems on this episode is really what he's like in real life. And it's just so fun to see people that you know are such good people and so talented really succeeding. Like how cool for him. He started these Kardashian spoofs and now he's being hired by Courtney to help promote Poosh. Like what a full circle moment. And it's just great when it happens to someone that is so deserving of that praise. Absolutely. Yes. And the craziest fucking thing, we didn't even talk about this yet. When she's saying to him, you know, yeah, well, when I saw you at the wedding, we watched that happen. Like we saw them talking. I, we, when we were at the cocktail hour and we said to Benny, like, oh my God, have you talked to anyone yet? And he's like, yeah, I think I talked to Courtney briefly or whatever. And then later on in the night, we saw them talking and we were so happy for him because obviously we have seen all of his parodies. And then to find out that that conversation was the catalyst for this whole thing when he's coming to her house, like I was so happy for him. I can't even explain it to you. I was literally sitting there in my bed alone at 1.30 in the morning, just beaming. That was the best. That Oh my God, that was the best. I am so happy for him. That was, it, it was too good. And he's so fucking funny, especially with the Courtney stuff. Like he really gave that Courtney persona a life of its own in terms of like the way that we now joke about it and the way we joke about Courtney and Travis. And so like, it just felt so beautifully full circle. I so agree. That was just the best. (laughs) Something that was so funny is when she's like, you really have to draw on the widow's peak. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I have to. And then he's like, but you know, looking at it right now, it's actually not as pronounced. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I might be exaggerating a little. And then he shows up the next day with like a little bit even more pronounced. And he's like, okay, I I had to. 
when Courtney's in her confessional, she's like, I've never said that. Like, I've never done the hand thing and been like, let's mosh, Trav. I I was losing it. Like, just fucking losing it. Talk about meta. Really, really meta. Wait, and then after, when they're in the closet and she says, like, this is just a reminder, I am the funny one. It's obviously she was joking, but not really because it does go back to what we were saying of, you know that Courtney is thrilled that her sound bites are the ones that have gone the most viral on TikTok. And as we always say, Courtney is TikTok's favorite Kardashian. And I genuinely believe that's a title that she takes a lot of pride in. I agree. But let me tell you something, Em. Mm. Kylie's coming for her. Kylie's coming for it. Well, that's just because the reinvigoration of the King Kylie era. Listen, I'm not saying she listens to this podcast. I'm not at all, obviously. But there is something in the air in terms of us all acknowledging the King Kylie of it all and then her uh, very timely then leaning into it. What I'm going to be interested in is, does she then capitalize on this? Is there something with Kylie skin or Kylie cosmetics or another venture that capitalizes on the King Kylie era. Because let me tell you something, that is what would sell out. Even if it's like a a black lip kit or something that really has more of a hint to the kind of like the goth era that she went through a little. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but there is something really big that she could do, kind of similar to when Kim capitalized on her juicy era when she was shooting the Velour campaign with Paris. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't think it's coincidental that the Stoss palette is dropping at the exact same time as this King Kylie uh, resurgence is happening. Although it's funny because obviously I think that we would all associate Jordan a little bit more with the King Kylie era than Stoss, even though Stoss was right there front seat for it too. Um, But it is interesting that those two things are happening at the same time. And I do wonder if there is a correlation there. It's not an overt one in the way where she's using it to market that palette, but just you know, the nostalgia of that era and the nostalgia of knowing that friendship and growing up with it a little bit. So that'll be interesting. But I agree, like a a King Kylie palette of sorts could totally do something like excellent with some really great like Tumblr-esque branding around it. Right, right. I guess personally for me, which obviously would not be the driving factor, I'm sure she, if she were to do it, she would do it in the Kylie cosmetics field. Like I wish it was something that I would want to purchase, you know, like, I stand the King Kylie era, but there's nothing that's going to make me probably buy that palette. Whereas like, oh my God, I, I have it. I have it. If her, if she did a Skims campaign, that's it for me. If she did a Skims campaign that capitalized on the King Kylie nostalgia and the pieces were very reminiscent of that, that to me, oh my God, fuck me up. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe something next year around Coachella, like her own thing. Right, right. There's definitely a lot that can be done with it, I think. But it would have to be done exactly the right way. Because it may even just be her own thing. Like, it it may even be not anything cosmetics related, not anything skims or good American related, but still something with clothing that just happens to, like, launch a different line or a different project that she's doing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to see. I guess that's something that's happened with them which I don't know, some could consider this probably a bad thing. I don't really think it's a bad thing because I I don't know, it's just the norm now. Is like, I used to, I think, just get excited over 
different errors that they're in or different things that they're kind of showing just for the pure excitement value. And now I think always at the back of my mind, it's like, okay, well, how are they going to capitalize on this? Because at this point, Chris has done enough interviews and there have been enough interviews or pieces done on them where they say like, nothing that you see is coincidence. If they're posting with it, they are on some level getting paid for it. And of course there's instances where that's not the case, but for the large majority. So to me, I guess I've lost the innocence of thinking that she's just bringing up this King Kylie era because it creates relevance and excitement. To me, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, well, what are they plotting here? And maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's really nothing. It's just, I feel like I've been (laughs) trained by the Kris Jenner school of things enough to think there has to be some ulterior motive. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with that, is that even in what you're saying, there is an ulterior motive. Even if King Kylie capitalization is for nothing else than the resurgence of Kylie, that's still something that you capitalize on. That is the Kris Jenner school of thought, I think, where it's like, no, it doesn't necessarily mean a product's coming. As long as you're reinvigorated or interested in this certain thing, half the battle is won. That's the job. And so like your line of thinking is what a lot of people have now adopted to, which is, for example, and I don't know if this is true or not. I'm not saying it's not true, but We've seen Coke products appear more in Kardashians or them taking pictures with them or even with Rain holding the glass bottle of Coca-Cola at Courtney's wedding. Every single person then picks up on that and is trained to be like, okay, what's coming with Coca-Cola? It may be nothing, but you're you're now playing into the way that our minds are trained to look at the things that they're doing. Right. And to your point, you're 100% right. There doesn't actually need to be a product correlation for the King Kylie resurgence to be successful for them because more relevance is more relevance and more favorable in the public eye is more favorable in the public eye. And by nature of that, you end up selling more product and having more impressions on your posts and all of those things. So I hear you totally. There doesn't need to be a direct correlation to a specific product for the King Kylie resurgence to be successful. But I guess I am just curious, will there be a campaign that's shot around? that because that would kind of be like the peak of it all. Right. Exactly. Wow. Glad we got to the bottom of that one, huh? We're really getting to a lot here. Like we're really like digging deep into into these conversation points on this episode and we haven't even gotten to Chloe yet. I know you want to take an ad break and then do that. Yeah. I might need to like stretch or something. I know. I got to stand up for a second. The wait is over. That's right, season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. The way that I want to start this is when Chloe is sitting with Chris at lunch and Chris says to her, I got to be honest with you, sometimes all Tristan does is talk to me about 
marrying you basically. And Chloe's acknowledging that she knows that. And this is when she says her whole thing about she believes that people get multiple chances in life. To me, even though it's not like she was gushing here, to me, just her general demeanor in this conversation is so different than when she's in that confessional. Like you can tell right here in this conversation with Chris, I genuinely believe everything she's saying is real. I think she's thinking it through. I think she's genuinely very much in expectation of a life where she's going to marry Tristan. And then you see in her confessional that she's just defeated. Like, don't you think there was a very different energy she was giving off, even though in this scene, it wasn't like she was, you know, showing that she was madly in love with him? Yeah, I do. I actually almost wished watching this that that was the case. Like, I almost weirdly wish she was sitting there like, gushing and so happy and through the roof just with enjoyment and like so in love because then at least I would have been like at least there's a delusion here you know what I mean like the delusion would almost help with the outcome because it's like I understand how this happened to you again you just got so caught up in it and to watch her sit there and be so rational and so logical and so like well Tristan took his time and he worked on it and I feel this and I'm going to wait for marriage. Marriage is really important to me, but I do see that maybe in the future, like to watch her really think it through and be so logical about it is the thing that broke my heart. Right. Because then it's like, and it still happened. Like you were taking every precaution in the book. You were handling this in a way that you view to be so logistically sound. And still this motherfucker disappointed you, even though you were operating in a way where you were so actively trying to avoid disappointment. Right. And it's like, I hate to say this because I don't blame Chloe. I know a lot of people have this continual thing with her where it's like, well, you keep taking back. What do you think was going to happen? Like, I don't view her in that way. And I think that maybe the reason I don't is because I view Chloe so favorably as a person. But when I watch her be so logical about it, I'm like, how are you so logical? And yet this happened again. Like, how are you so logical about this? And yet you still put yourself in this position in terms of just getting back with him. I know. And it's not even like I want to spend so much time talking about that because you could just talk in circles and we're never going to really fully understand exactly what was going through her mind. But even in this conversation with Chris, when she's saying, I love being married and Chris says to her, you are the best wife. And I think that that's true. I think Chloe is an exceptional partner to whoever she's with. And we really saw that with Lamar. I mean, she was so good to him. And I do believe that that's just who she is when she is married, like that or not even married, but specifically married. She takes a lot of pride and joy from that role. And so I think that the concept of being married is exciting to her and it's desirable for her. And so I think a lot of that really feeds into your prior question, which is like, that was the end goal she was working towards. And she was a lot closer with getting there with Tristan than in her mind she would be with anyone else that she was just starting to date. So I think there's a direct correlation between how appealing the concept of marriage is, even though she was resisting it, and then her willingness to kind of work through things with him. It's almost like the Kim Chris Humphreys of it, where she knew something was a little bit off, but the desire to have that life that she envisioned in her head was the overwhelming pull for her to kind of push through that. And I think that Chloe maybe felt the same way, where it's like, no, I do love this person and he is my best friend. And even though he hurt me in the past, if I can just get him to that point that he says that he wants to get to, then like everything will be perfect. Well, it's kind of like the anti-Courtney in that way because marriage was never something she aspired to. It wasn't until Travis when the idea of an engagement in marriage actually was so exciting for her. You saw with Scott, that was never her end goal. And it's just like very, very interesting to 
watch the way they all process that thought differently because it is important to Chloe, even like I said, if she's resisting it because logically she clearly understands it's not the move at the moment. Right. I mean, I really want to talk about the good American stuff. Like I, I enjoy watching her do it. I think that the message is powerful and I like, don't get me wrong, but I, we have to get to the gym scene. I mean, it's just, it's like the fucking meat and potatoes here. No, it is. And the thing that I will say about Good American that I think wraps up that conversation well for now, because we can always get back into it another time, is I'm just happy that she has it. No, I know. And you can tell that she derives a lot of confidence from it because here's the thing that she believes so much and she's put so much into and she's getting like tangible results. Like when Emma says to her, yeah, we sold 30,000 of this. You put it on, we're going to sell 50,000. That's a lot of pairs of jeans. Like the results are very tangible in terms of watching her success really take form. And I think that that's exciting for her. And it is a very successful brand. We've had this conversation recently where we say like almost the earmark of a successful celebrity brand is when the brand exists and you have somebody that says, oh, I had no idea that that was the celebrity behind it. I think a ton of people have no idea that Chloe's behind Good American because it's that successful of a brand on its own, which is an amazing feeling. And so in all of this, even watching Chloe go through this level of heartbreak again, it's like, okay, she has created something for herself that like, at least through all of this, like she can hold on to that piece of it. I know. And when she was on Zoom with the women from the Good Squad that she had just hired, I was thinking about Remy Bader a little bit, not because she was in this particular thing, but we've kind of watched her journey with Good American and then getting to meet Chloe on TikTok. And it almost like personalized this entire scene for me a little bit more because I was trying to envision what these women were feeling and then having Remy, who's actually kind of spoken about on TikTok, what what it's been like. I just, it's like, it's just so happy for all of them. You know what I mean? Like, good for you. Like, the, what a cool thing to do. Absolutely. That's the thing with Chloe, that this gives her purpose. And that is a really important thing to have. Completely. Okay. Kim's house. Yes. You ready? I think so. I mean, yes, I am ready. When I say I think so, I'm hesitant because of Chloe, but like I've never been more ready to talk about something in my life. I mean, you saw how in the moment this was. We have Kim turning to Melissa, her trainer, asking her to turn down the music because the cameras are walking through while she is on the phone with Chris reading these court documents. And this is 100% confirmation that Chloe did not know about this until it was public. And we can get into the actual timeline of that in a second in terms of when these court documents were in comparison to when his actual Insta story was. But regardless, even if she knew, clearly as we were about to find out, even if she did know at the time when the Insta story was posted, she did not know any of this was taking place when the official court documents came out and his statement to the court came out. And not that we needed any more proof of what an asshole he was, but this takes a special kind of an asshole. And that's the thing that I was always confused about and that we spoke about was the previews, we thought that it was the Insta story, maybe. That's what we were confused about. And the Insta story was posted on January 4th. Tristan's baby was born December 1st. So when we thought it was the Insta story, I think that we were all a little confused because we were operating under the assumption of like, well, maybe he was just denying it this entire time because these court documents had been circulating for a month prior. How would the Insta story be the first time that she had heard about this? So to have the understanding of like, no, these were the court documents that were released makes it all make sense. This was the initial breaking of the story. Like 
when they're sitting in that gym and they're talking about this and they were reading that statement over the phone, that is exactly what we were doing. And think about it. It's probably the exact same time because 6.30 there is 9.30 Eastern time. So we were probably doing the exact same, same thing at the exact same time. I can't get over that. And then when she is on the phone with Kylie and Courtney and you hear Kylie's voice, here's the thing. They're all really close, obviously, but Kylie takes on Chloe's pain in a way that no one other than Chris does. They have just always had that relationship and almost the same could be said vice versa. Like even we see at another point in this episode when Chloe is shopping with Kendall, she refers to herself as Kylie's other mom. They just have a specific bond. And to hear the heartbreak in Kylie's voice really was painful. No, it wasn't. I was actually going to say I was happy that the episode included the context of the relationship between Kylie and Chloe because I thought that that was such an added point to the heartbreak of hearing Kylie say, like, is Tristan just the worst person in the world? And by the way, the answer is a resounding yes. When she said that, I feel like all of us felt so seen. Because that's what we would say. Like, if you're just sitting there talking with your friends and you see that news, you probably turn to your friend and you're like, wow, is he just the fucking worst person ever? And that's exactly what she said. Which, you know, even Kim says here, like, I was so team him. And she was. Kim made a conscious 180 from making throw up signs behind his back in the delivery room to now being so on board with him. Like, she decided, you know what? This is not my game here. If Chloe is making the conscious effort to say, I'm giving him another chance, then I at the very least owe her that. And she'll never make that mistake ever again. And I will say that in terms of the way that Kylie's like heartbreaks for Chloe being very special and specific, the anger and the protectiveness that Kim feels over Chloe is another level as well. That's what I wanted to see. That level of anger from Kim was like, yes, yes. It was different, but very similar to the energy she had in the phone call with the lawyers about the sex tape on Roblox when she's like, we have the resources to burn them to the fucking ground. Different, but same. Right. That moment where they're all discussing, Chloe has no idea. She's not even up yet. And then Kim goes, oh my God, this is her calling now. She takes the phone and it's not like Chloe called her and had seen it and was calling her back on the phone in real time. You have Chloe go, what the fuck is this? And then it cuts to black. That is, oh my God, awards should be given for that scene. I know. And because presumably there were no cameras at Chloe's. So the only way we would have ever gotten her in the moment reaction was if there happened to be cameras filming at Kim's for that phone call. I mean, and he, sorry, no, you, you go. I know we both have like a million things that you go, you go. The thing that I was going to say is like, here's the other thing with all of this is like the real time nature of this actually plays a completely different role because the information that came out about this situation came out over the course of a month. It's not like when we've dealt with in the past where, you know, Tristan cheated on her the night before she gave birth or two nights before she gave birth and the video evidence was released and there was all the information or the Jordan thing where it kind of took 24 hours to piece this together. Like, In this moment, when Tristan releases the statement, he says that he had a one-night stand with this girl and that was it. But they're still believing that narrative at this point because they don't know otherwise. So Kim says, you know, this part broke me. When Kim's like, Chloe wanted a baby boy so badly and now this girl that Tristan has a one-night stand with one time is having that baby boy. Like, 
first of all, that element of it, heartbreaking, but also you then find out over the course of a month that this wasn't a one-time thing. This is a relationship that had been going on and that Tristan then admits to. And that not only is this not just coming about because she's giving birth, but Tristan had had contact with this woman for the past couple of months and knowingly got back together with Chloe while he was texting this woman trying to get her to get rid of the baby and tell her that he will have absolutely no involvement in its life. When you lay it out, it's so maddening. I mean, if you really simplify it, he is actively getting back with Chloe while simultaneously offering this woman 75 grand to have an abortion and never say a word about this. By the way, here's the kicker over Snapchat message. Like, uh, no. And, and here's the thing also is like, at this point, the thing that they are most angry about like, of course, it's all of it. But the thing that they really have, like, almost the, quote, right to be angry about is the fact that he hadn't told her before making this statement. Because it's like, okay, if he had a one-night stand with this girl after Chloe threw him a 30th birthday party, like, fucking disgusting. But technically, they weren't together at that point. So Kim is the one that brings up that point of the 30th birthday and, like, knows that it's technically wrong. Like, knows that it's wrong. But, like, maybe he didn't actually do anything wrong because they weren't back together. And so the point of, like okay, he really did the wrong thing was like him not telling her before releasing this statement. And so what's going to come now is not only just that, but the entire getting back together with her process, the entire knowledge of this baby's existence prior to it being born, which they have no idea about in this moment. These are the kind of things where it really, really makes you understand how difficult it will be and probably has been for Chloe to embark on a new relationship. The level of trust, like the the feeling of betrayal that I have to imagine she experienced in this moment, no matter how much people want to say she should have known, she should have known. When she is calling him at 6.45 in the morning before even seeing this and then has to say, what the fuck is going on? And she's about to open her eyes to this. It takes so much to come back from that. Like, of course she's traumatized and scarred. Right. Like, I can't even imagine. Here's a conversation that I'm really interested in that I, that like, I was wondering while watching this, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with this situation, but more about Chloe and her approach to relationships in general. And like, you know, we always go back to the point of like, in the first seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, when Chloe was so anti-Scott, like vehemently anti-Scott, and you were sitting there when you watch it in retrospect and you're like, okay, you have no idea what's going to happen to you. Like, how can you be so hard on corny when like you allow this shit to go on? And something that I was curious about is I wonder if that desensitization of like what happens in relationships and like what happened to Chloe is almost more a result of fame in general than her being hurt in the past. Interesting. Elaborate on that a little bit more. Because what I think it is, is like, in the earlier seasons of Kardashians, like their approach to relationships was from a very non-famous standpoint. It was like, we are just normal girls going about our relationships. X is wrong. There's no room for, you know, improvement in these certain areas. Something that I noticed with celebrity relationships is that there ends up being a lot more wiggle room. And I noticed that even with us, when we talk about relationships, the more that we find out about what goes on in Hollywood and what goes on behind the scenes, it almost desensitizes us to other relationships like in our own lives. Like, oh, you know, like I've heard so many people say this, not necessarily you and I, but I've heard a lot of people be like, well, everybody cheats, which is not a mindset that anybody should have. But when you 
get this certain approach to celebrity relationships and the way that things go on behind the scenes, it almost alters your view. And so I had this question of watching Chloe go through this of like, is this an altered view because she's been hurt so many times or is her view of how relationships should happen and the area for forgiveness and the amount of times that Tristan should be given multiple chances? Is that a result of just watching other people behind the scenes in the Hollywood scene take on those same roles over and over again as well? Okay, fucking phenomenal point. I think that it's a contributing factor because I think what what you're alluding to, and I think you're absolutely correct in it, is like a higher tolerance for chaos, basically. That right. just seems to be like, quote, par for the course. Yes, I don't think it's the sole thing, but I absolutely think it's a contributing factor because it's a lot easier to almost be forgiving when it can be tied up into like, you know, and then and then the public eye of it all and then the fame of it all. And, and it really exacerbated the situation. I think that that in, in ways can almost almost be a scapegoat slightly. Yeah, I think so too. And it's really interesting because I don't think that, because I think that we've been searching for that answer of like what happened to Chloe. And there's so many different things that like contributed to both like her tolerance for what goes on in a relationship and like her self-esteem, which is something that she's spoken about. Like what happened to the old Chloe? And I think that Fabe takes a toll on it in ways that you don't realize. Well, the conversation even becomes even more interesting when you look at the ways she's actually acknowledged that fame has taken a toll. So you have all of those that you know are there for a fact. She's admitted it. She's talked about it. She's going to therapy for it. It's the main cause of her anxiety. And then on top of it, what about the ways that fame has almost silently manifested itself in a way which I don't think she'd maybe say, yeah, I do think that part of that has contributed to some of my tolerance for Tristan's antics. Absolutely not. I think it takes a few more steps to get there. But when you look at the way that you know for a fact it's impacted her, and then you add on these that like are the silent killer, it's highly overwhelming. Right. Holy shit. Also, like not that this is the point, but Kim doing those like rushed bicep curls in the midst of it. (laughs) There's one thing Kim's going to do. It's multitask. If there's one thing Kim's going to do, that is so right. And I, by the way, I bet that was like the best burn of her life, like an anger bicep curl. Oh my God, the adrenaline that you get from that. It's kind of like how I felt when I was on the elliptical when we found out that Kylie was pregnant. I've never burned more calories in my life. I have a 420 berries today. Maybe something insane could happen. Something insane already did happen. You probably are going to feel secondhand adrenaline and anger from this scene. You should just use that to power through your workout. I'm going to have to. Yeah, you're going to have to. Wow. This was like wild, like truly, truly wild. And God, it sucks. It sucks that some of the best television comes from some of the most heartbreaking moments in Chloe's life. Like that is not lost on me, which is why even I said to you before we started recording, I was like, as we're talking about this, we have to be conscious of the fact that like it's content, but it's also her actual life. And I, I do find that in general, we're really tuned into that. But sometimes it's hard because you're like, holy shit, this is amazing TV. It's just... I hate that the most, I really do. I really hate that some of the most riveting reality television ever is stemmed from like such trauma in, in, in her life. It's so unfair. And it can't be ignored that it being Chloe elevates it. Like, of course, any of them going through a level of heartbreak like this, like, or betrayal or any of it, it just breaks your heart and like you acknowledge the real person behind it. But of all of them, Chloe's, already the person that you acknowledge as the most real person. So for that then to be the case and you're watching her heartbreak, it's another level. I do think that it's different. It's exactly the conversation that we have about how like 
you know, Chris kind of has two favorite kids, like the one that's her business favorite and Chloe, because Chloe is her favorite. When you watch that relationship, it's special. It's different than all of the other ones. And I think that's how we feel as viewers, where it's like, yeah, like we have the Kim or like Kylie or whoever you're going to choose to link onto to like be your favorite form of entertainment. But as a person, there's no comparison to Chloe. I know. And that's why it's additionally upsetting that this shit just happens to her continuously. <sighs> God. This was wild. This was a really, really good episode. Like, don't, didn't you feel like really fulfilled? Oh, yeah. I can't wait for next week. Yeah, I can't wait. Last week's our lot. What are we going to do? Like, we have to, I really wish that we could f- know exactly when the next season is coming back. Cause that would, you know, change things in terms of our, our, like the way we're thinking about this in terms of scheduling. Cause I guess we'll go back to old episodes in the meantime, but I wish we knew like, okay, come September one, it's coming back. I don't know if it's that soon. I know. I, there's a part of me that thinks it's going to be that soon. Like there's a part of me where, when we were talking about the whole conversation of like, you know, what's also different about the show is that it's filmed more in real time and there's quicker in between times. We were so focused on how long it took us to get it after the announcement that we were like, they lied to us. But maybe they didn't lie to us and it's just the next season. Right. We'll see. I mean, the one thing that we all have to remember in all this, which I think is the like silver lining that keeps us going in terms of the weight, is that we will factually be getting the behind the scenes of the Met Gala with Pete, whether that's, you know, as soon as two months from now or a little bit farther along, like let, let's not forget that that's something that we are going to get access to, which is going to be unbelievable. I mean, talk about a time we'll be happy to have a podcast. I, ca- I can't wait. I'm already so excited. I know. We have off, like off the top of my head, we have one week in July, one week in September, and then in between Christmas and New Year's. I don't know if there's any other times, but we got to just pray that none of these air during that. I mean, if it does, we'll do what we did the last time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to mention? No, I think that's it. Okay, we'll be doing Bravo tomorrow. We switched it this week for two reasons. One, because like we just had to release this episode today, but also because Isabella does not have a voice. So a lot of cough drops, and we're going to pray that she is good to record tomorrow morning. But holy shit. Okay, we love you guys so much. Thank you for being on this journey with us. It is literally the greatest gift, and that just set me up for a really fun day, right? Don't you feel good? I feel incredible. I really do. Yeah, me too. Okay, love you guys so much. And I should just add, this is a good note from our producer. If you at all feel inclined, zero pressure. But if you listen and you're like, wow, I really enjoy that. And you want to just leave a nice review, we'd so appreciate it. But zero pressure, just listening is like the best gift you could give us. So we love you guys and thank you. We will see you tomorrow and the next week. 